Of infancy, everyone called the second son George. Later, there would be two more children, a son, Arthur, on the 14th of March, 1900, and a sister, Frances, on the 6th of December, 1906. This was probably the same birthday as Ira, although nobody was ever quite sure when Ira's birthday was. Morris's casual attitude to life set the pattern for his family. Soon abandoning the shoe factory, he spent the rest of his life moving from business to business. He ran restaurants, Russian baths, Turkish baths, bakeries, a hotel, and a combination cigar store and pool parlour. For three exciting weeks, he was a bookmaker at the Brighton Beach racetrack, but too many favourites won, and the enterprise was a financial disaster. The family moved house, or more usually apartment, even more often than Morris changed his business. By 1916, when Ira was 20, and still known as Is, he calculated they had lived at 28 different addresses, 25 in New York and 3 in Brooklyn. Their family life, as well as being nomadic, was considerably sociable. Friends and relations came and stayed and went, and several nights a week Rose and Morris played cards with neighbours who ranged from local merchants to actors from the Yiddish theatre. All this gave their home life a slightly unsettled air. Temperamentally, Morris and Rose were very different. Morris was gentle, mild and humorous, taking life as it came. Rose was highly strung and purposeful. In their different ways, however, they did have one trait in common, and that was emotional detachment. Morris was amused and uninvolved. Rose was remote and undemonstrative. This, together with their somewhat unsettled family life, bred in both George and Ira a remoteness in personal relationships that stayed with them in different ways all their lives. In their boyhood, they were even remote from each other. Their temperaments, too, differed considerably. Gentle and withdrawn like his father, Ira's favourite occupation was reading. On the other hand, George was a street kid, restless and aggressive. His pleasures were physical and competitive. He played street hockey and punch ball, and was regarded by his companions as the roller-skating champion of Forsyth Street. Tall for his age and muscular, he was well able to take care of himself in a brawl. Often he got into fights and came home with bruises or a black eye. Once, when there was a feud going on between the Irish and the Jews, he got caught on his own by some Irish. He had his roller skates on, and trying to escape up the stairs of an apartment house, he somehow managed to fall down an elevator shaft, landing on his head and sustaining concussion. But as long as you avoided the rival gangs, in those days a kid could explore the whole city. As both George and Ira grew through their teens, they would wander the length and breadth of Manhattan by bus and subway, staying out until early morning, and often venturing farther afield into Greenwich Village or Harlem and the East Side. The sights and sounds and smells of New York in those days made a deep impression on both brothers, staying with them all their lives. And everywhere there was music. Pianists in bars, hurdy-gurdies on the street, automatons in amusement arcades. America during the 1900s saw a huge flowering of popular music. Writing song lyrics became an obsession with Americans in all walks of life. Newspapers ran songwriting contests, and a vast sheet music industry sprang up. As there was then no radio, the cinema was still silent, and the phonograph was still in its scratchy infancy, sheet music publishing was the heart of the popular song industry. This music would be bought by vaudeville and review performers and producers for use in their shows, and by thousands of amateur singers and pianists for playing at home. Most of the sheet music publishers were in New York. 
They would hire pianists to sit in their offices and play the new numbers to prospective customers. And soon there were so many of these pianists pounding away, especially in the brownstone houses on 28th Street between Broadway and 6th Avenue, that the area acquired the name Tin Pan Alley. The Gershwin family was not especially musical. Morris attended the opera from time to time and possessed a fair singing voice and, according to George, a musical whistle. But with none of them was music a passion. They were among the first in their circle to own a phonograph, but that was more a matter of social prestige than a thirst for melody and harmony. Nor did the young George seem to have such a thirst. To a street kid like himself and his companions, any boy taking music lessons would be marked down as a sissy. Nonetheless, music was already reaching out to him. The first stirring he remembered was when he was six and was standing on the pavement outside a penny arcade on Harlem's 125th Street. Inside, an automatic piano was playing Rubinstein's melody in F. And as George...